Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Seth Askelson. Thank you for joining me here on Locked on Coyotes. It's another late night podcast for you. So hopefully uh, you get a chance to listen before you go to sleep. Awesome. Put you to sleep uh, like I probably have multiple times throughout this podcast so far. Um, Or if you're driving to work on a Friday morning, uh, take a chance to listen to that as well. Either way, we are here as... uh, a little uh, more than 24 hours ago, the Coyotes dropped a game to the Montreal Canadiens. We'll talk about that. Uh, some good news on the uh, back end front. Well, kind of a oxymoron there. The back end uh, good news for the Coyotes. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on what's going on around the league, including the Pacific Division continuing to uh, just stay strong and uh, the Coyotes are going to have to stay in it. They can't uh, can't fall too far behind. Uh, again, they play Saturday against uh, well, what was arguably the West's best team before a couple of unfortunate injuries for the Avalanche, but uh, still going to be a formidable foe for the Arizona Coyotes. Now, uh, take a look at the game against Montreal. The Coyotes... Uh, coming in on a two-game win streak, had won three out of the last four, or uh, four of the or four of the last five, yes. Um, so, uh, or five of the last six, excuse me. So, uh, good streak for the Coyotes, and it uh, fortunately comes to an end as Montreal they score three goals in the first two minutes of each period. Uh, Brennan Gallagher scored 22 seconds in. Shea Weber, uh, 22 seconds into the first. Shea Weber scores 24 seconds into the second. And then former Coyote Nick Cousins scores a minute and 17 into the third period. So those were the first three goals. Jacob Chikrin scored his second at 447 of the third. Coyotes had a couple more opportunities to pull it within closer, just couldn't get it done. And then Jonathan Duran unassisted his sixth of the season at 11.03, and that was it. For the Coyotes, it was Antti Ranta in net. Um, tough night for him. He did uh, he did make 32 saves, though. Faced 36 shots. Uh, but he, uh, he struggled a little bit, I think. Uh, definitely not a game that you can put all on him. But um, I think just uh, not necessarily the effort too much. Is you could just tell that team was a little bit tired. Um, usually when you see team go out on a long road trip like that, especially across the country, come back maybe a couple days off in between. Um, again, obviously, we I'm not in the NHL schedule room, but uh, when you're setting schedules, the NFL schedule comes out pretty early. Uh, the Cardinals played tonight, uh, tonight being Halloween night, so uh, usually you would see, and a lot of the games you know, are Thursday, Saturdays, especially for the Coyotes at home. But I think because of Thursday night football, they had to move it up a little bit. Didn't want to give the Coyotes a back-to-back, especially since they were out on the road so long and had played a back-to-back uh, Thursday-Friday back-to-back uh, last week. So uh, for the Coyotes, didn't get as much rest as I think you would have seen if the Cardinals weren't at home on Halloween night. But what does matter is, uh, what that means at least, is that the Coyotes will have two days off before they take on Colorado, obviously Halloween night, and then they get a chance to take a break uh, November 1st before they head back to Gila River Arena for the game against Montreal. So the Coyotes 
again, one of those games where I think they were just a little tired. Uh, team that's really put really put a lot of effort in and uh, been playing well. Seven four and one. Obviously, this is a league that uh, one no team's ever going to feel sorry for you, no matter what the situation is, and just have to find a way to win on a nightly basis. And again, this is a, a loss that. I think you can just chalk up to tough performance. Uh, Montreal riding high. They had some rest. So for Arizona, just a, a tough game and a chance to get Darcy Kemper the night off. Uh, by the time he comes back on, he plays Saturday. He'll have five days worth of rest, or uh, four days, and then most of uh, Saturday, obviously, in preparation for the game against Colorado. I think this is a, a team that, you know, you never want to say losses are good because you'd obviously rather win. But I think with a loss, especially for a team that was rolling, it's a chance to take a step back, definitely dive into, dive in a little bit deeper to see what isn't going right. Uh, it's hard to see what isn't going right for the Coyotes, especially when they've dominated a good majority of the play, especially five on five in most of their games. Um, but for the in a loss, it's, I think it's a little bit easier to be a little more negative on yourself, and not negative in the sense that, oh, they're terrible and you know feeling down for yourself, but in the sense of, okay, you lost, and it's a little bit easier to see what goes wrong in a win, especially when, even if it's a close win, or even especially when it's a dominant win, it's hard to tell what needs to be cleaned up, and you got to be, you got to watch it with a little more attention and kind of a little more nitpickedness, but when you lose, it's pretty easy to see what went wrong, why it didn't work, and the Coyotes are going to get that opportunity to study what's going on there. Um, I think uh, offensively, the Coyotes didn't slow down. I think that's what's good about their game when they're, wouldn't necessarily say struggling, but when they're not winning games, is it's not a thing of, you know, where they can't get anything going or they're just being suffocated I think you saw that a lot in the Islanders game and I think you could tell they were a little bit frustrated but again they had the opportunities Carey Price was sharp uh, so the good thing for the Coyotes is when they're losing it's not like they're losing because they're not getting the opportunities and they're being stifled it's sometimes just uh, getting in their own way some bad puck luck on that second goal from Weber the skate blade of Ronta had came out of the boot and I thought it was odd. You saw something kind of flat. You saw Ronta try to push off after he made the initial save, and then he kind of didn't. He wasn't able to push back and kind of looked at his skate. Um, on that one, I understand that the skate blade comes out, and you take a quick look and say what happened. But he kind of stopped to look at it and then realized the puck was still in the zone. And by the time he got back, uh, Shea Weber was already loading up into a wide open net. So uh, maybe when this is maybe. Not as much as attention to detail as it is. Just make sure to stay focused. And for the Coyotes, I think um, just kind of erase those early period mistakes. Don't let Montreal get the momentum. And, and don't get let any team get the momentum early on. And I think they're going to be okay, at uh, especially heading in to Saturday's matchup with Colorado. Now, tomorrow is officially November. And uh, we're rolling into the uh, second month of the season, the first uh, full month in terms of uh, days 
as the season had started uh, just a, a couple days after the 1st of October. It's a pretty early start to the season, which was surprising, but uh, first full month of the season and taking a look at where the Coyotes are at, especially statistically Nick Schmaltz at 11 points in 12 games. He has been phenomenal. I think better than anybody expected, at least from the outside looking in. Um, in terms of goals, it's been Connor Garland. He has six in 12 games. And I think the best stat of them all, when you take a look at uh, games played this year, a lot of guys with 12 games played. Uh, take a look at, uh, there's two with 11, and that's both Kraus and Fisher, who have um, been scratched once each as a healthy scratch, and I think that was in order to get Barrett Hayton into the lineup. Brad Richardson is at nine games. He's missed the last three due to injury. There isn't any update on him. We'll talk about some news and notes a little bit later on. And then everybody else who's pretty much missed games outside of Kraus and Fisher, who've only missed one apiece, has been due to injury. Or um, in Capobianco's case, he was called up. Uh, Hayton has been sitting in the press box a lot, and same thing with the, a little bit with Aaron Ness. He's only been up for about a week, but uh, Richardson injury, Osterle injury, Jarmelson injury. So uh, even though there's been three guys missing games, it's definitely not at the uh, alarming rate it was last season. And then the goaltenders, of course, uh, playing spectacularly. Darcy Kemper, 5-3-0, one eight seven goals against average, nine three three save percentage, and then Ronta. Uh, numbers inflate a little bit after last night, but still a 914 save percentage. Goals against average at 296. So, no, he definitely wants to get that one down, but um, not a not an issue in terms of uh, the save percentage. I think he'll be able to get that. Down. And again, he's only played four games, so sometimes that's uh, a little high. He is uh, two one and one, so there's only one regulation loss that came last night. Um, and for Darcy Kemper, though, on the other hand, he hasn't lost a game in overtime. So even though he does have three of the Coyotes' losses, at least in regulation, it seems when they go to overtime with Kemper in net, they find the way to win. Um, for the Coyotes, guys that you want to see maybe perform a little bit better, I mean, Phil Kessel has been he has been good, right? I, I think he's brought a lot to this team. He has seven points in 12 games. That's nothing to scoff at, but um, a guy who's uh, most recently been a point-per-game guy, maybe just a little bit out of him. I think Dvorak slowed down a little bit. He has uh, five points. Chikrin, though, he scored twice. Um, I think on the defensive side, you want to see him step up. Um, uh, Keller, he has seven assists. Keller's been a great playmaker this year. Uh and I think it's it's good for him. A guy that's looking for a bounce back season. He looks great. He looks energized. He looks like he's playing extremely well. He has 32 shots. So a guy who dishes out the assists uh, quite often. He and Schmaltz as well as Goligoski are tied for the team lead with seven. Taking a lot of shots. He has taken the second most. And Phil Kessel has taken the most with 33 shots. So... A guy that is a good playmaker, taking a lot of shots. I think he looks re-energized. He looks rejuvenized. Knows that maybe last year wasn't uh, the greatest second year in the world. And a lot of guys can go through some sophomore slumps, but I think he expects a little bit more of himself 
and with that extension that kicks in next year will be uh, trying to prove that he deserved that not that I don't think a lot of people I think on the outside uh, would say didn't necessarily earn it quite yet I think part of it is the Coyotes understand that the salary cap has gone up every year even though it didn't jump as much as a lot of teams were hoping if they can get those contracts done right away it'll look like steals it'll look like bargains as time goes on it I mean when you take a look at some contracts in the NHL Brent Seabrook I mean there's been a lot of discussion about him he has had uh, some struggles recently in Chicago getting healthy scratched more than once and a lot of people are saying that ah oh, the contract is is hefty and it's a big cap it it's not low I don't want to make it sound like that it is uh, six million a year but it also uh, that seems pretty cheap in terms of what you're looking at with the rest of the guys, right? I mean, he is the highest paid defenseman. I think the bigger issue is that 6.875 mil uh, runs through the next four seasons after this. So I'm at 34. That contract ends at 38. And you take a look at a guy like Duncan Keith as well. He's still got three more years after this one. So that contract ends when he's 40. So, uh, But in terms of what the Coyotes are rolling with right now, I don't think... Um, and bringing it back to Clayton Keller, not that I think he feels that he has to prove anything to anybody, but definitely um, showing that what the Coyotes gave him maybe wasn't too out of the ordinary, and the Coyotes didn't really put themselves in too much of a bind. I mean, you look at their contracts, right? Uh, Nick Schmaltz near six mil. Uh, that's a that's a long deal for him. Christian Dvorak at four point four five. If he continues to produce the way he is. Um, that's going to look like a steal. They got Lawson Kraus for another two seasons after this. I mean, they've extended the guys that they felt are going to be the core of this team for a long time. You take a look at Jacob Chikrin, who got a, a long extension last season. Uh, he's at 4.6. If he continues to develop, he's going to be uh, really good. Um, so a lot of contracts handed out, I think, a lot of people thinking, well, have these guys really earned it quite yet? Sure, that can be decided. That's can easily be decided, you know, by the experts and those who are around the league. But I think at some point they will be earned. That's what the Coyotes are banking on, right? A lot of risk that these guys will will earn these contracts. Uh, so it's kind of high risk, high reward. Because if you know a guy like Keller all of a sudden becomes a, a point per game guy every year in the NHL. Which those guys they come at a pretty hefty price now, um, and a guy at 21 years old like Clayton Keller's, Devin locked in at 7.15 a year. If he becomes that point per game guy, I mean that's a pretty cheap deal. I mean when you take a look at some of the top players in this league, I mean obviously you can take a quick look at uh, guys like Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl. Connor McDavid, it's 12 and a half million a year. I think eight and a half for. Drysaddle is pretty much a steal, but if you can get Clayton Keller to produce a point a game, or maybe just a tick over, and you got him for seven point one million, I, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal. So the Coyotes, um, a lot of players, I think, again, not that they have to prove anything or live up to their deals, but um, understanding that they got the money, they got the money up front, right? It's when you know you're you're hoping for a serve, it's kind of what the Coyotes did. They paid a lot of their guys up front in hopes for a big return. 
The sample size on that so far is pretty good. Chikrin playing well, producing points. Keller looks really good. He looks really uh, re-energized. Not that he was, I think, depleted or you know lost his love for the game, but I think part of it is, I think last year a, a lot of, especially with the injuries, a lot of the offense was sent through him. With Schmaltz out of the lineup, I think a lot of teams targeted Keller, really game-planned around him, just kind of made sure he didn't have the time, the space. But uh, now that he's got Phil Kessel to play with and Schmaltz is producing, and the same thing with Garland, I think it's really taken a little bit of a, some of the pressure off of Clayton Keller. And I think you're going to see him thrive a little bit more. So early on, the Coyotes, again, look good. I mean, you take a look at the shooting percentages. Connor Garland had a 21.4 shooting percentage clip against six goals on 28 shots. I'm not going to see that for too long. I mean, a lot of guys with some high shooting percentages. Same thing with Carl Soderberg. He's got three goals on 21 shots. Grabner's at 17.6 with three goals on uh, 17 shots. So... Uh, Again, not that I these shooting percentages are pretty high, and the Coyotes' offense has come in bunches, but uh, just a good start overall. Good to see, especially taking a look. I think looking at the Coyotes, you watch a team like Detroit or a team like Ottawa, and you say, "Yeah, that's where the Coyotes were three years ago." You just sit there and you feel bad. You know, you say, "This they're trying hard." You can see they're playing their hearts out. They just can't do much. You know, it, no matter how hard they try, and the Coyotes are, it seems to be for the time being out of uh, kind of that area. But uh, so good start for the Coyotes, but still a long way to go. Finally, in our first full month of the season, we'll see if the Coyotes can continue on with uh, what they've started so far. Take a look at uh, some of the scores again from last night. Uh, games are already overnight. We'll talk about a little bit more about those. A uh, couple exciting ones, but. Um, again, taking a quick look over at the scores from Wednesday night. Uh, the Lightning able to come back there. Devils are really in trouble. A 7-6 victory for Tampa Bay, even though Kyle Palmieri scored with uh, 1952. That was a hat trick. He has a hat trick, and uh, the Devils still lose to the Lightning in just an absolute barn burner between the two teams. Oilers beat the Blue Jackets on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Usually you don't see that, but uh, Mike Smith was outstanding for them. The Blues beat the Wild 2-1. to one. Obviously, the Coyotes dropped the Canadiens. Panthers come back, and they are able to defeat the Avalanche in the overtime session. So they're at 6-3-4. and four. The Panthers have finally turned around and figured it out, and the Canucks uh, jump over the Coyotes in the standings 5-3. A right, quick look. At uh, just uh, one big update again from Craig Morgan. Um, big sign here. The Coyotes had announced on their Twitter um, as well through a press release that Kyle Cavalbianco got sent down, which I thought was a little interesting. I thought that maybe they would send Ness back, but uh, definitely it seems like that they want to be able to make sure he's playing and getting playing time and not just sitting in the press box. So Capobianco back down to Tucson. Uh, Ness will stay, but that does mean, seems like uh, Osterle is going to be back tomorrow, if not uh, for the next game. So Osterle, very close to a return, maybe a, uh, not tomorrow, a Saturday return, excuse me, and even if he doesn't, maybe a, 
uh, return to the next two-game road trip where they go take on uh, comp- or division-leading Edmonton and then head over to Calgary. So a quick Alberta trip. Uh, so Osterley, hopefully to be back Saturday. So good news for them. Aaron Ness will stay on the roster. I think part of that was is uh, Capo Bianco not uh, waivers exempt. Uh, I think they like Ness, especially with some depth. So want to make sure they don't accidentally put him up for, well, not accidentally, but you know what I'm saying. They don't want to put him up uh, for claims. So Ness will be the one to stay. Capobianco not only goes down, waiver exempt, but he'll get some more playing time as well. A guy like Ness who's 29, I think he understands. Not that uh, the role by Capobianco wasn't understood, but definitely a little bit younger. You want to be able to make sure he's able to play a little bit more and, and get what uh, get what he needs. Um so, yeah, Capobianco at 22 years old, born on August 13, 1997. Uh, he is in back to the minor league, so he's probably going to be uh, pretty much replace what Ness was doing uh, in Tucson, playing on that top pair. Uh, so, uh, hopefully the return of Jordan Osterley will be soon. And uh, so good news there. The Coyotes are gearing up for their matchup with the Colorado Avalanche, as uh, tomorrow we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more news, especially um, about the Osterley situation. Obviously, I think that roster move means Osterley is close, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, look over some uh, news on a national level. Nothing too crazy, I think, Uh in terms of uh, potential moves. So uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Uh, Any Coyotes news that pops up, definitely want to, again, I know I always talk about it, but advanced stats didn't get a chance to look at them today, and I didn't really want to read them off at this time of night because things have changed. Um, Hockey reference doesn't usually get that updated. I mean, it's a lot of advanced statistics, so I don't blame them, but they usually don't have that updated until um, a little bit. Uh, later on the next day after games are concluded. So we'll take a look at those in terms of the league. Um, So appreciate you joining me here tonight. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it is at LO underscore Coyotes. Once again, that is at LO underscore Coyotes. You want to follow me on Twitter, it is at SAskelson96. It is at S-A-S-K-E-L-S-O-N-96. Again, appreciate you tuning in today. Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. And we hope you stay locked on, Coyotes.